Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Welcome to Killing Time, hosted by two girls, one goth. I'm in a really good mood today because after this, it's early in the morning we're recording this, but after this, we're doing a full day of recording for our Patreon episodes, and I am just so giddy. I am pumped too. I'm glad we're finally doing it. We've been ha- we have the material sitting there. We've just been so busy, so we're finally going to nurture this third baby yes. of ours. No, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I've been reading over all of our scripts. We have like four different kind of episodes that we're going to be giving you all. I don't want to give too much away, but they're all so good. Mm. And I'm just thrilled. Thrilled. Giddy over it. Giddy over it. How are you guys doing today? Feeling good. Billy? Feeling good now. Eh. Billy? (laughs) Is Billy ever good though? Yeah. No, but sometimes yeah. he has a little pep in his step. A little pep in his step. I'll, I'll, I'll get there by uh, by this afternoon. Cool. So we'll have Here's like hoping. a very low energy right now and then <laughs> high energy for only a fraction of our listeners to listen to later. Awesome. Yeah. No, because everybody's going to be signing up for the Patreon. You watch. I That's know. True. I am excited. Yeah. Um, I did have a hundred grand bar today already what? this morning. Really? How? I I got one from like a Postmates yesterday. I got delivered some snacks and they had 100 grand bars and they give me four and I had one last night and I have one this morning. I'm like, why not start morning. off the morning wow. with a nice hundy grand? <laughs> Bold. You need a yeah. little sugar high to put That's up with us, didn't you? Honestly, 100 grand goes really good with a coffee. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Like Highly a recommend. It's like an Italian. It's very, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, the crunch. Yeah. About the crunch. Um Okay, well, Billy, what day is it today? Dark day. Today is March 3rd, and in 1934, this is when John Dillinger escaped from prison. Yes. Now, John Dillinger was one of the most famous outlaws in American history. He and his gang, the Dillinger gang, robbed 24 banks and four police stations, and this is all during the Great Depression. So, you know, everybody was doing really bad. They're seeing this guy uh, taking on the system, and he became sort of a folk hero. So on this day in 1934, Dillinger actually uses a phony pistol, which he carved with a safety razor 
out of wood. And he had this uh, pistol. He used the block of wood, the razor handle, and then he covered it in black shoe polish. This is what he does now. So he pulls out this fake gun and all the jailers, because you normally don't have a, you know, you never want a gun in in jail. That's not a thing, right? Because the uh, prisoner could take it and then all hell would break loose. So he escapes the jail and he actually escapes the jail in the sheriff's new Ford patrol car. So if this guy couldn't have been more loved, uh, you know, th- this was going to be it. And believe me, you know, he was a bad guy. He murdered people. He murdered a, um, a veteran police officer, was not a good guy. But because of depression, people were, were digging him and, and all this stuff. So when he, ha- he, when he pulled out this wooden pistol, he rounds up the guards, and then he actually is able to get a Thompson submachine gun. And then he steals the sheriff's car and he leaves. There's a nationwide manhunt for him. He's he's escaped before, too, but um, this guy is becoming a public nuisance. Now, one of the things that was happening is that there was a a pretty popular FBI agent named Melvin Purvis, and Melvin's like, I'm going to get this guy. So um, Dillinger is in Chicago. He is uh, walking to the Biograph Theater and somebody kind of narked on him and said this is where he was going to be. Federal agents led by Melvin Purvis moved in to arrest him. Dillinger pulls out a weapon. It's a real weapon this time, but he's shot four times and he is killed. So people liked him. Yeah. He's I mean, like he was Robin sort Hood. of a folk Robin hero. Hood. Yeah. Like lib- I mean, he wasn't giving the money away, though. He was like people were he represented the re- the rebellious spirit that everyone wished they possessed at such a time of a oppression and depression like a david and goliath situation sure just take guy. down the uh, the establishment i feel do like people resonate with that even today they yes. do um the whole- you know and dillinger escape plan i know we've talked about this before yes and that's all i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and period no we will and we will do we will do a music bands said. music bands named after crimes at, at some point Ooh, that's a good episode mm-hmm. that's a great idea okay wow they just the ideas just keep coming all right so we are going to talk about in true crime rewind we are going to talk about famous escapes from prison and yes. there has been a, a recent one that's been made into many many tv shows which we will talk about we, you probably all know what semi-recent that yeah yeah semi-recent and then this is, uh, and then we're also going to be talking about probably the most famous one, which is the escape from Alcatraz. Yes. But until then, I mean, we have a true crime in real time that Alexis is so excited to talk about right now. Oh, oh yes. The, the Hank, the bear. Yes. Hank. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was in Big Bear, right? It was, it was in Tahoe. Lake, Lake, Lake Tahoe. Tahoe. Like, so obviously I didn't do a ton of research. I was just grabbed by the headline. Yes. It was very Jensen of me, frankly. Yes. <laughs> so I, uh, there was this headline that says Hank the Bear. So Hank the Bear is this giant bear that's been... He's like, like obese. 500 breaking, pounds. Breaking into Tahoe homes, eating food, breaking into garbage cans, like reeky, cans wreaking havoc in Lake Tahoe. And people said it was Hank. But now, apparently, he's being framed. <laughs> Frank, they Hank tested the DNA. They tested his DNA, not his DNA, but they tested scenes where where Hank allegedly like rifled. And apparently, it's not Hank's DNA. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was like well, and that's the thing. They're blaming poor 
big old Hank for like 25 break and enterings to the point where they're like, and I just saw this on the news. My favorite sushi place plays the news, which is really weird. So I was eating sushi, watching this news thing about Hank the Tank. And they're like, they're going to have to euthanize him because he could end up killing somebody because he yes. keeps breaking into all these homes. He has like no wherewithal. So, I mean, this is like a great moment for Hank. Apparently it's been like dozens of bears. Yes. And we did, we did sort of bury the lead a little bit because Hank has a nickname and it's Hank the tank. Yeah. Which is the nickname of somebody on this podcast as well. But I'm not the same kind of tank. I'm a tank <laughs> of pre- perseverance. Over, I, think, over... I, think tank, I think Hank has been through a lot. No, but he's Hank the Tank because he's fucking gargantuan. <laughs> my so... tankness doesn't relate to my size. My no, you're, an emo- not, no. you're an emotional tank. Emotional tank, tank of perseverance, <laughs> tank of overcome, tank of underdogs. You know, it's not really the same context, but I appreciate the comparison, Billy. I mean, it is the same name. It's the same name. Yeah, but it's not the same meaning. Yes. No. Metaphorically. But, but I have more to add here. So Hank is 500 pounds, by the way. And yeah, they actually huge. believed he was acting alone as he roamed the streets in Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the DNA evidence gathered suggests let's, several bears were responsible. Like exonerated him. A gang of bears. <laughs> they thought one bear was doing a gaggle of bears as criminal activity. I'm like, why? What would like push them to be thinking that it is one bear like wouldn't the more like obvious answer be that it is multiple bears because that would make more logical sense is the john dillinger of bears he represents (laughs) the freedom of bears and he represents the independent spirit of bears and they don't want an uprising so they're targeting they're making him an example they're making an example of him they're like if we euthanize hank the tank the other bears will know what's up and it's a big conspiracy yeah what a tragedy that would have been if they did euthanize poor innocent hank the tank and then the break-ins continued luckily free media has made that impossible now we all know the truth hank is forever protected and if you kill him he is a martyr Yes, mm-hmm. for yes. all Don't bears. Go, yes, I think I think Hank is an official uh, firsty right now. Don't so hurt him. Do he's also hurt, do not he, hurt Hank. He's so cute. He's, he's so round. He's got such a little head and face and a massive body. <laughs> massive. Like, he is like the ultimate round boy. Oh my god! How is your face so? Like, his little pinhead is shocking. I know. Like well, his he, pinhead is real. The guy loves to eat. You know, he looks. And he doesn't like to loan things. <laughs> Little head. Little Hank. All right. Well, um, big ears. We're so excited for you, Hank. Good hearing. Have fun rummaging around Tahoe. Eat all the food. You know, Mm. go live, go live your second chance at a happy life. That's right. All right. Well, when we come back, we have got some bitching to do. Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. Call the first witness. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? All right, welcome to On The Stand. Each week we're bringing something to the stand that we're thinking about this week, and we're either prosecuting it or defending it, having a little discussion, and then deciding if it's guilty or not guilty. Would anybody like to go first this week? No, I want you to go first, Jack, if you have something prepared. (laughs) Are you going to think of yours as I go? I have one, but I don't know if it measures up. Okay. So I want to see your theme. Maybe something will come to me. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so what I'm bringing to the stand, I can't imagine any single person would defend this. And this is just something that happened to me recently. And I just got a bitch about it for a little bit. Love it. So the idea of pig parking. Do you guys know what pig parking is? No. 
No. Okay, pig parking comes from an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David, my hero, coined the term. Pig parking is when you park in a parking spot and take up more of the allotted spot than you should be given. Mm. So it's parking in a spot, moving into the second spot, and then taking up two spots instead of one so nobody can fit next to you. Mm-hmm. Now, we all live in L.A., uh, parking is very limited as is. Mm. So you can't even find a spot when the normal, when people park normally. So trying to find a spot when somebody is now taking up two, it just causes a huge headache for anybody involved. So this happens sometimes. I fucking hate it. But the other day I was going to Starbucks. The place where my Starbucks is, is just like a shit show. It's a clusterfuck of a parking lot. And I go to park and guess who's pig parking? The fucking parking enforcement. Mm. The parking enforcement took up two spots. Ironic. I mm. waited for them to come back. They're going to seize candies to get themselves a little box of chocolate. No. <laughs> I swear You're to God. Me. I wow. waited. I waited next because I found a spot near them and I was like, I got to see who it is. They're going to seize candy and parked at a diagonal in two different spots. Wow. It wasn't like they just took up a little bit diagonally. That's shocking. And and I will say this. If Jack was a vengeful person, you would have had your, your video out there and that potentially could have gone viral. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that you, but you gal. would never do that. Yeah. I no. honestly feel like the only person who could do pig parking in L.A. would be parking enforcement because people would there would be such a wrath. That's why I don't feel like I see it very much here. It's pretty rare because people like getting brawls over parking in L.A. because it's so limited. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's not super common. But of course, it's like cops and parking enforcement are the only people who celebrities probably but it's entitled so, people but yeah but like you should be setting an example parking enforcement you yeah. think you know yeah. like you can't you can't i can't give you a ticket but i should be able to but you could do a citizen's arrest next time you see just hold <laughs> yes. their arm and call the police and see what happens please tape that though <laughs> please this is, i'm executing a citizen's arrest and just let's see how that unfolds have jared gonna, film it I'm going to do it next time. I'm just going to kind of camp out in that parking lot and wait for them to come back. Because I'm like, you don't do do. it once. A pig parker is a pig parker for life. Mm -hmm. How many parks did a pig park? Never mind. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, nobody's going to support pig parking. So guilty. Guilty. Yeah, guilty. Bill, you go next. I go next. Okay. Have we talked about exclamation points? (laughs) I don't think so. No. (sighs) Now... This is a good, I think this is a good on the stand for you, Billy. Yeah. So exclamation point, it's one of, you know, it's this primarily with emails and texting. And I know everybody knows this. So if somebody says, hey, I just did this, and you just say thanks without an exclamation point, it seems to sound ungrateful. Yes. Like we're not really thanking them. Like Like a rude thanks. Like this is how it sounds. Thanks. Yeah, it does. Or great. Yes. Instead of, great. So you're forced. This is one of the things that that has happened uh, with the way that we're communicating. We're forced to uh, over-enthusiast, be really, really excited over something that is fairly mundane in order to not offend the other person. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, that's it is true. There needs to be like diplomacy a, for you. I don't there, know. <laughs> there needs to be a punctuation that's in between a period at a and an exclamation point that you just seem like in a good mood, but not like super excited. I have the yeah. answer. What well, I do it what? a lot. All caps. 
<laughs> That's the answer. I put things in all caps because I type in all caps a lot for like our scripts. Yeah. And I don't bother sometimes to shift back <laughs> when I write because my text is on my iMessage on my computer. So I'll be like, it's a pain in the ass to turn caps off. So I just, and people are like confused by my all caps, but like good. Mm. Like yeah. all caps is, I think, even worse than an exclamation point. It's very <laughs> shocking. It's, it's, a sh- it's like, I'm like offended and then I like don't know what to do or and then I'm they like, happy, mad at me or is it like not about me like is their caps button st- like did someone spill a glass of wine on their caps button and it won't change mm. up like it's probably not about you nothing's personal so like maybe th- I just think caps are like a fun wild card mysterious yeah no exclamation points all caps you know what I'm going with the ITAL if you can do the ITAL then. no ITAL is something ooh it's like and yeah, so it is. it's like it some is. it's like ooh ooh <laughs> like you were saying like a sexual co- it's intrigue. like italics italics are sexual or intriguing yeah mm, they're, or read they're between flirty. the lines it's like a look into this look okay. deeply into this what about underlined underlined is look it's like can you believe this Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, he didn't is underlined. <laughs> I think I like bold. I think bold could kind of be in that that realm. But you can't bold in text. Only caps. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's no answer. But I think that, well, you know, the thing with like exclamation points is especially women. We overuse them a lot in emails mm-hmm. because we're always trying to act like we're friendly. Or like and not like, bother someone. Just following. We use the word just like just following it, up. I have just following up. Yeah, I have uh, consciously tried to delete. I've, I've tried to do this for years, but it comes so naturally for women to like apologize for just being there mm-hmm. by using like a just or an excla- exclamation point. I've been trying so hard over the past few years. Anytime I see it, I'm like, nope, take out, nope, take out. But then you feel rude how your message ends up being. But men can do it all the But then the you time. look at the messages from people and they do it. Yeah. I'm like, people don't yeah. give a fuck about my feelings yet. And yeah. you're like tiptoeing around theirs. Yeah, because the emails that I usually send say usually like, when the fuck are we going to have this meeting? <laughs> but Billy, this isn't and, a problem you have. You're a little have. bit rude. You're <laughs> and, mean. And, and you're then, mean. And then I should have put in, just checking in. You when should. the fuck are we going to have you this meeting? You should actively be nicer. I will. Okay. You I will should, actively You should do insert that. some exclamation points because we've, you know, we've had to have some conversations <laughs> about your communication, your professional communication. <laughs> yes. And... The bedside manner is lacking. Yes. But you're on the up and up. I'm not on the up and up. Exactly. All right, right. So exclamation points, having to use them is is really what I'm putting on the stand. No one has to. Okay. I say not guilty. Say guilty. I still like using them. Me too. I think they're not fun. Guilty. Not guilty. But, but like caps are, <laughs> is on trial next. Next week. Okay, Lex. Okay, I'm putting something on the stand that's actually not that exciting, but I feel like we'll all want to talk about it. I mean, the news lately has been, like, countries in Europe lawfully enacting a four-day work week. Oh. So we're in a very capitalistic nation. You know what I mean? We're uh, a nation who glamorizes overworking, glamorizes... Suggesting this is the grind, the grind, killing yourself to, to work, to, you know, to succeed. Like, and I'm someone who struggles with that. So I'm just like, if they enacted a four day work week, I work usually over weekends as proven today. So do you guys, but a third weekend a day, I might actually relax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you need a third weekend date. Well, 
I actually can't, I have no room to talk because I've always worked for myself. My, I've never had a nine to five job, but I'm assuming coming from somebody who does, it's like Friday, you are barely off of work. Saturday, maybe you go and do something. And then Sunday, you're nursing a hangover or like one of the days you're doing errands and then you have no time to actually relax. Like you need that third day to actually enact pleasure, self care, taking care of of things that you need to take care of and then like a little relaxation. And like, you know, if it were Friday, if you needed to do stuff like call your accountant, call the bank, like that's a business hours thing. Yeah. yeah. So like, where's the solution there? You know? Yeah. So anyways, I'm putting the five day work week on the stand. Cause like, do we even want a four day w- work week? I mean, I'm kind of like terrorized by that idea, but also <laughs> intrigued by it. So like, let's talk about it and vote. I do think that COVID has shown most people in the world that they don't need to show up to an office to work, don't need to work normal hours. Like you can get the same amount of work done in probably a smaller amount of time if you were given that time, or you can get the same amount of work done working from home or on location or wherever. So I think that after the pandemic, it's kind of like led us into this place where maybe a four-day work week could happen where before I think it would just never happen. Yeah. Right. You know, and you know, one of the things that and this has been happening in New York, the mayor's like, everybody's got to get back into work, into the office. And the reason for that is that, yes, a lot of jobs can be done at home, but there are a lot of businesses that rely on people going into work. I mean, just think about lunch the places. lunch places is the easy, but, but, you know, if there's less people in there, you need less cleaning staff. If there's less people in there, mm-hmm. you need, you know, like support staff. So that's one of the things that, you know, we've had for really our entire existence, we've had, you know, going into work. If a lot of people stop going into work, it's going to fundamentally change a lot of ways that, that different things people are going make on, other in jobs, a, particularly yeah. in a city. Yeah, or in like a, even, yeah. you know, big offices have like, They supply snacks for their staff. You know what I mean? They supply lunch for that. You know what I mean? Like food trucks go park in front of office buildings. Like there's a lot of um, trickle down to be considered. Yeah. 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 And I think at the end of the day, just working from home is pretty unhealthy when it comes down to it. I know some people, some workaholics would just like never do anything else. No. Not so, so many people meet like partners at work or make friends at work. Like I do think it is a social component that it also gets you out of the house too. Yeah. You know, you're out and it's like, Oh, I'll stop by here on the way home or something like that. If you're just sticking at home the whole time, I think it really, it really messed up a lot of our psyches uh, during, during this deal. It, in this conversation of the 40 work week didn't like, was it the Netherlands or somewhere made it illegal for a boss to contact an employee after work hours or it was something like that? Yeah. Where, I don't know if it went through or if it was something that was proposed or maybe it was France. Maybe I France. Can't, I don't think so. But it whatever. Was, it's, I think that that, cause this is the difference between our generation and like the generations before us is like they actually like left work and came home and didn't work again because it's like they didn't have a computer at home they didn't have their phones like work ended at work our problem is even people that have nine to five jobs they're working when they're not being paid to work all of the time so the idea of you cannot be contacted about work after work is over only is fair and it only makes sense I completely agree. I don't think it's possible given the nature of a lot of people's jobs, you mm-hmm. know, like the emergent nature of certain industries. Like it would depend on the job though. Cause there are sure. a lot of jobs that probably could 
have that, but mm-hmm. bought, like people are so used to just like having their phones be on all the time when they're on vacation or whatever that like that's what's fucking everybody up too. Yeah. Right. But like business owners who small business owners, right. Who are like, this person didn't do their job, but they're it's after work hours and there's a mistake. Like I just, am trying to put myself in like the shoes of a small business owner where it's like, it needs to be fixed now. Yeah. It's like for, you know, it's, it's a huge deal for me that it's not fit, you know, and only this person knows how to fix it. I'm like, I don't know yeah. if it's actually executable in a realistic no, way. But Jack really does bring up an excellent point is that everybody up until, you know, 30 years ago when they would go home, they were, they, they, you're done. They literally could not do their job. You know, no. they just couldn't do it because it was, yeah, you might be able to crunch numbers if you're an accountant on your personal computer or something. But for the most part, you didn't. And um, we all, we all do it now. <sighs> yes. Guilty or not guilty? Not I mean, stop work. Not I guilty. mean, I, I think the four day, wait, sorry, five day work week is guilty. All right, guilty. All right, yes, guilty. Mm. Oh, it was my idea, so yeah. <laughs> but you didn't know. You went back and forth. Well, I'm on the fence because I'm just like, am I going to hate that? Because I just think about like us wanting to grow our own business. Like, what if it was like wait, weekends the, are off limits? Yeah, but that the that's a little different. We're, we're like a deadline-driven industry, you know. So it's hard. It's I know, but we're sca- our own bosses. I think for like the the like quintessential nine to five job Employee. is different than owning your own business. That's like we true. create. That's how what I was saying in the beginning is uh, I've created my own hours my entire life. So I like can't talk to that about this because yeah. I I can't I I don't have you know the experience to actually whatever. Anyways, yeah. guilty. Guilty. Everybody deserves a little bit more me time, you know? Woo-hoo. Okay. Well, when we come back, it is time for some True Crime Rewind. Okay. So it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. True crime. Yeah, it's rewind time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to True Crime Rewind. We are going to be escaping. Escape rooms are big. Ooh. Uh, you know, yeah. that's, like a thing. that's a big thing. People love the escape rooms. And, you know, the when people think of escapes, though, the biggest thing you think about is prison escapes. Mm. Now, we talked about the Dillinger escape. The most famous prison escape is Alcatraz, because when they built Alcatraz, they built it on an island there are sharks in between uh, the island and the uh, the mainland. And it's cold. For the record, so they cold. built it on an island in Northern California, just off the coast San of Francisco. San Francisco, Billy. Yes. <laughs> just not in the Bahamas. Not in the, not in the Bahamas. And they, uh, they said, this is inescapable. They went and said that. So well, they're daring everybody to be it's like It's meant her. to be yeah. very treacherous waters with very, very fast, dangerous currents, riptides. It was meant to be inescapable because if you attempted to swim off this island to the mainland, you would die either by drowning, hypothermia, sharks. Like there's no way somebody could swim that far right. and survive. And that was yeah. – uh, this is the best place ever for a prison. Yeah. And there was a lot – there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, like being able to escape. Obviously, you can't escape in, a, in the back of a truck, which we hear about a lot. And a lot of people that worked there actually stayed there, you know, so there wasn't a lot of boat activity either going in and out. Oh, they lived there? No. Yeah, yeah. So Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence Anglin, they uh, began a project where they took spoons from the cafeteria, and they also were able to get some saw blades from uh, the, the wood shop. And they spent half a year making their ventilation ducts and their cells larger. So they would just kind of pick off the, uh, the plaster that was in there. Each day, they would cover the ducks with cardboard, which looked like the cell wall, because these ducks, you know, they had a, they were really small. They made the hole bigger and bigger and bigger, so they could squeeze through it, obviously. Eventually, they finally said, all right, we're good. We're going to do it. They actually ran through it once. They did something that has become uh, pretty infamous. They created paper mache dummy heads of mm-hmm. themselves and then put them in their cell beds so that when a uh, when the guards were going around uh, doing head counts at night, they looked in and then saw that there was a person there, but there really wasn't a person. It was actually a paper mache dummy. They created out of a bunch of, I think it was raincoats, an inflatable raft. It was a six foot by 14 foot raft. And then they um, were, uh, they, they, they escaped. Never found again. They grabbed the raft. They slid down a pipe. Uh, you know, they they went through the ventilation shaft, w- got through the prison, slid down a pipe from the prison roof, and then we never heard from them again. But doesn't that mean they could also have died? 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I just want to make sure that, like, if they were never heard from again and never seen again and no evidences of them resurfacing, like, they're either really good criminals or they Alcatraz is, in fact, inescapable. Yes. Yes. But, but I think that everybody likes to think that, you know, they went down to Brazil and mm, started a new everyone life. Everyone loves a folk hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't do not know, but Clint Eastwood made a movie out of it. And don't if you ask anybody if anybody ever escaped, they would say yes. Like, I feel like most people escape out of that ventilation thing. Don't you think the ducts, like, after, you know, the hundredth escape out of a ventilation duct, don't you think that they'd kind of re... Do it. Or put like a fuck, uh, like a a caged wall, and you know what I mean, like in the middle of one. That's only like you think they would have come up with some some booby like some knives that were like <laughs> sticking out once you tried <laughs> yeah, to booby trap. The warden should booby trap the ducks. They should. You're not I feel like have it's, any escapes. It's a tale as old as time. I'm like, how many escapes have you heard? That's what Ted Bundy did. Like everybody does. It. I mean, look at the Shawshank Redemption. How they did it. Well, yeah. they went through the pipes. It's similar thing. It was good. Okay, so we've got a um, uh, uh, a very famous one. You guys have seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg directed uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, and Tom Hanks starred. So um, so Frank Abinelli, he was a check forger. He uh, forged about two million dollars in bad checks, which is also called hanging paper, by the way. And he fooled people into thinking that he was a Brigham Young University professor, that he was a doctor, and that he was actually a pilot. Now, he never actually got and, and uh, you know, tried to fly a plane, but he got all of, like, the perks of what it would be like to be a, uh, a pilot. So he um, spent six months in a prison in, you know, when he was being chased around everywhere, spent six months in a prison in Sweden, goes to the United States. He sentenced 12 years uh, to an... Um, the the federal pen in Atlanta, and then he actually escaped. So using Ford's documents, he, and also his power of persuasion, he was able to um, earn the trust of guards and said he needed to meet somebody outside the prison walls with this, with this uh, false identity stuff. And um, he said he needed to borrow a car. They gave him a car and then he was gone. (laughs) <laughs> but he was later arrested um, in Washington, D.C. two months later, and he got four years. And then famously, he actually uh, started earning a lot of money because uh, the banks hired him to figure out what was, you know, fake checks, because he was really good at spotting fake checks because he used to make them. Damn. Yeah. So the most recent famous prison escape happened on June 6, 2015. And that was when two prisoners, Richard Matt and David Sweat, were found to be unaccounted for during the morning count. Now, uh, that was at 5.30 in the morning. They were last seen the night before. And then, you know, when you don't find a prisoner, everything goes goes haywire. We actually had, when I grew up, a, I grew up a mile away from a prison, and every uh, Saturday at 2 p.m., they would sound the horn just to test it. And people oh. had would escape there. And then when people would escape, they would lock everybody in the uh, in the classrooms when, if we were in school. It was crazy. Ooh, that's now funny. that I think about it, it's, it's very, very odd. But it was just what we did. And then, you know, 2 p.m., you knew the horn was going off on Saturday. Interesting. So these guys actually had um, tunneled. 
they built a tunnel for uh, 500 feet. So it went 500 feet outside of the prison wall. They had tunneled out. They were actually housed in what was called the honor block, and that was the privileged housing unit. So they had uh, access to a bunch of different things, card tables, you know, like wall-mounted telephones and all this kind of thing. They apparently got tools from contractors um, during the night, and then they ret- returned them the next day. Well, and in the movie, I mean, if you ever watch Escape from Danamora, which uh, it's like Patricia Arquette, Benicio Del Toro, and I don't remember who the third guy was. But like in the movie, they were working because they were privileged in the prison. They were working with tools like in a like workman's shop. Right. So they portray it that way is that's how they they got the tools. And what will come to know is that these two prisoners had actually help from someone inside the prison in the form of a corrections officer named Joyce Mitchell. So that's where things get really salacious because they were actually having a relationship with her. When I say they, because they were in like a, th- they weren't quite a thruple, but she Ooh. was, she was sort of, you know, yeah. engaging exactly. with both of them. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, which is shown a lot. Like hooking a- up with, but I don't know yeah. much about this case. She was hooking up with both of them separately or like in a. Separately. I like how you, I like how that's the salaciousness that you, that you go on instead of like somebody that works in a prison just having a sexual relationship with a It is salacious. I mean, that's what, that's what people cling to. And that's why it's a movie. It's like she was, you know, and again, it's like she was in a marriage. She'd been married a long time. You know, she was was manipulated. Fun on the side. Well, these guys are, are, sociopathic criminals and manipulated her. And it was the first time she's ever had this much attention. And I, She's a criminal, too, but I feel bad for her a little bit. Yes. So she had provided them with hacksaw blades, chisels, other tools. She was going to be the getaway driver, but then she kind of had a panic attack that morning and said she backed out because she still loved her husband. Now, one of the things that was going on here is that there was actually evidence that she was was hiring those guys uh, to try and kill her husband. Oh, shit. Which is messed up. And yes. she didn't go through with it. She did not. Her go husband's through with okay. It, no. Yes, the husband is okay. And um, the you know, so she kind of had a crisis of faith and said, "Wait a minute, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I, I helped them, and this is yeah, this is what's going on because everybody right. was freaking out at this." So. Um, on June seventeenth, it was revealed that Mitchell uh, she was suspended without pay. And yes, they revealed that she had discussed having her husband killed in a uh, murder for hire uh, plot. So um, they originally were thinking that they weren't going to get very far, but the search then expanded beyond 16 square miles, which is originally where they were um, they were searching. These guys, you know, there was a, in a um, in a confrontation. Richard Matt was actually shot in Franklin County, New York. Um, by Border Patrol. And then as far as uh, sweat goes... Canadian June... Border Patrol. Canadian Border Patrol. Okay. And no, was it? it no, he was shot by... Where else was it have been? What no, he was shot by Patrol? U.S. Border Patrol. Well, right, but trying to cross... Near trying Canada, cross... the Canada border. Yes. Uh, on June 28th, uh, sweat had been walking along the side of the road when a trooper saw him. And this trooper was a really, really good shot. So Sweat starts to run, and then this guy shoots him from 73 yards and hits him in the shoulder and left arm. 
Damn. And he was only 1.5 miles from the Canada-U.S. border. Mm, so, so close, but so, so far. So, so, so far. Wow. So those are, those are the three big escapes. Dana Mora is my favorite. I love the, like, soap opera elements. Yeah. Very salacious. Yes. Mm. So these people did a lot of bad things, but we're going to hear about the worst things that you people have done. Next. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Come one, come all. It's time to bear all. Friends and family gather round. You might be going underground. Oh my gosh, that was improv. Wow, that was when gorgeous. I said underground, I meant to hell. But you won't be, because nothing you do is that bad. I'm sorry. I didn't want to scare you. Unless it is. Unless it is. And then you know what? You don't tell us your name, so that doesn't matter anyway. Um, We're going to just dive right into it. You guys ready? Yep. Yes. Hey, Jack, Billy, and Alexis. Um... Sorry, I don't sound like a sexual cowboy. Um, but anyway, the worst thing I've ever done. So I was living with my mom, her boyfriend, and my stepsister. I was about like, I don't know, 13 or 14. And we had a dog. And the dog was uh, my mom's boyfriend's dog. And the dog had shit inside on the floor. And my mom's boyfriend was like, he was a douche. And he was yelling at me to clean it up. And so I did. Um... And for whatever reason, as I was still cleaning it up, he was, like, getting in my face and yelling at me still. And so I took this napkin with shit on it, and I wiped it on his face. <laughs> and he got pissed, of course. And he was like, oh, that's disgusting. And he was try trying to wipe it back on my face. And I wasn't letting him. And he got even more mad about that. And he's like, ooh. Like, I don't know. He was pretty much saying, like, it's not fair. Like, you have to allow me to wipe shit on your face now. But... Oh, I did not let him. Um, and it was good. It was definitely not the worst thing I've ever done. I don't regret it at all. Um, <laughs> bye. This is one of the most straightforward, worsty, <laughs> you know, admissions. It's not a very nuanced thing. It's like you didn't like your mom's boyfriend and you were like, I'll clean up your dog shit, but then I'm going to wipe it on your face. But you wow. didn't hide it from him. He knew and he tried he to knew. wipe it back on yours. <laughs> yes. And honestly, it is a sign of disrespect. <laughs> but he did try to do it back. But maybe he deserved it. Maybe he was a fucking dick. Honestly, you sound very defiant and like, don't 
sell yourself short. You also sound like a sexual cowboy. Yes, I meant to yes. lead with that. You are very sexual cowboy-esque. You have a twang, maybe. And honestly, a defiance about you that I found find truly attractive. Because you didn't just secretly wipe shit on something this guy loved in, in hiding. Yeah. You wipe shit on his face to his face. Yes. That that takes a lot of gumption. And you know what? They probably were doing that back in the Wild West. Yeah. I was going to say, you know as gumption? Cowboys. Yes. <laughs> The, you um, you have a cowboy spirit, ah, deep deep rooted in yes. in yeah, defiance I don't remember and gumption the, and balls. In reading about Jesse James and and Billy the Kid, I don't remember the scene where they wipe dog shit. on No, but you know what face. they would do? They do like really cowardly stuff, like slap someone in the face with a glove. <laughs> yes. And frankly, like this you know is more hardcore. I don't think than they were that. doing that either. You know, the they were West. slapping people with a glove in the Wild West. <laughs> that yeah. glove probably, if you put it under a microscope, had remnants of feces on it. So I think that this all comes full circle. And you and are frankly, a cowboy. Everything does. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, don't put if you anything, work hard enough. Don't put anything under a microscope if you yeah. want to enjoy your life. No, absolutely not seriously okay well we love you sexual cowboy of the day on to the next okay so this story can't possibly be the worst thing i've ever done um but my parents recently brought this up again to tell my boyfriend this story at dinner and i knew i had to share it with you so this takes place back in like the mid 90s when i was a toddler maybe two years old And my family lived in a pretty small town, kind of like everybody knew everybody's situation. Um, And my parents had both grown up and gone to high school in that town too. So we would go shopping at the local grocery store and there was a man who worked um, there in the produce section who I'd always see. And my parents now described him as being kind of short, uh, a little heavy set, balding, and always wearing brown glasses. So... Every time I would see this man, again, I was just a toddler, I would yell, George, at him and point and wave. So, yeah, it was probably around 1996, and my parents watched a lot of Seinfeld. So, my two-year-old self was adamantly convinced that this poor man who was just trying to do his job um, in the produce section of the local supermarket was actually George Costanza. And the best part of this, or... Maybe the worst part is that my parents went to high school with this guy and his name was not George. Um, I don't know if he knew that he looked like George Costanza, but it was kind of a cringy situation for me to put my parents in, even though now it's pretty funny to talk about. Um, so now it's kind of a running joke in my family, but deep down I feel a little bit of shame about it. Um, I feel like being mistaken for George Costanza isn't exactly a compliment. So it's right there. I beg to differ with you right now. <laughs> your, first mistake is assu- your first mistake is assuming people are offended by being compared to George Costanza. Um, I happen to be... I mean, I don't think I physically resemble George Costanza. <laughs> but I think that emotion... The neuroses are not too far. A far cry, you know? Um, so anyways... And what did he look like? I want to know more. And you know what? Maybe your parents love Seinfeld. Maybe he loves Seinfeld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I, I love, you know, this isn't a bad thing. I think that she maybe just thought of us more so and was yes, like, they need I, to hear my I story. Mean, I do think it's hysterical that like, if he knew it, maybe if, if at the time you were two, if he was in his thirties and he's like, fuck, I look like George. 
Costanza. It's like fully possible that his feelings are hurt, but he's not thinking about it anymore. If no. anything, maybe you motivated him. Like if a two-year-old thinks I'm is criticizing me, like maybe I need to get my shit together. And to be honest, I mean, Jason Alexander was a comedic genius, genius. playing George Costanza. So if somebody is comparing you to this honest gold, comedic gold, then... I would take it as a compliment. Comedic gold. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, who would you not want to be, uh, you know, from the Seinfeld cast? Who would you not want to be like, you know, I mean, I could see on Newman? a bad hair day, people, somebody, a two-year-old pointing at me and yelling Kramer. I'd rather yes. be Costanza than Kramer. I'll say mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. Especially if I'm wearing one of my sweaters. <laughs> yeah. You I'd rather definitely... be Costanza than almost anyone, frankly. Like, I think it's the best char Seinfeld character you can be. Again, I think it's a compliment. Besides the soup guy. Yeah. Who I think is a national treasure. Putty's pretty good, too. Yeah. Putty's the best. <laughs> Putty's good. I love Putty. Newman. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Nobody wants to be Newman. Ah, uh, he's not so bad. Newman's great. He's not he's so I know, but you don't want to be the Newman of the group. Yeah. Uh, no. No. <laughs> mm -mm. I love that. Mm -mm. All right. Well, Lex, I, f I heard. Yeah. I uh, heard that you are a little bit proud of this Costanza well, stanza. Well, only because it's in keeping with the theme of the episode. And here okay. we go. The title is George is a Prison. <laughs> Locked in a body that's stout and of poor height. I'm bald, disproportioned. My clothes don't fit right. My once perfect hands have since been destroyed. My heart never full is always devoid. Mm. Locked in a George meat suit with nowhere to hide. <laughs> Only worse than my exterior is what's on the inside. Ooh. No escape to be had and ahead I must forge. <laughs> there is no getting out of the prison of George. Yes. Wow. That's it. That's it right there. That I'm not going to get better than that. George a is a plus. prison. <sighs> George is a prison. And I wrote that in like 20 seconds. Sometimes it's like free flowing. Yeah. And sometimes Listen, I'll sometimes. agonize over it for like two hours. Like yeah. it just depends on my frame of mind. And it happened to be a moment. It was it was gorgeous. That was fantastic. <sighs> it was Georgish. 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 Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.